Welcome to 100 PM, the show where we interview 100 active product managers from startups to enterprise, everything in between, all from one great city every season. If you're joining us for the first time, be sure to visit our website, 100productmanagers.com. That's the number 100, productmanagers.com. It's the web's largest single free resource for product management topics. We've got tons of great articles about business, technology, and design, fabulous contributors, and the official must-read, listen-to-follow list, as recommended by our incredible guests, week over week. It's season one. We're here in sunny Los Angeles. I'm your host, Susanna Bate, resident instructor at General Assembly and founder of The Development Factory. Welcome, and thanks for listening. Entrepreneurs are everywhere. Founding a startup is the new American dream. But what does it take to really be successful? In today's episode of 100 PM, I'm talking to Natasha Gamer-Jones, advertising agency veteran, product consultant, and founder of LegalTap, a new startup that offers legal advice on demand for a low fee. We're going to talk about the problems with managing digital projects inside advertising agencies, why starting up a product business is much harder than the media will have you think, and how to transition successfully into the world of product management, if you want it. that there was a course like product management when I was out building product for the first time. I think I could have saved myself a lot of uh, certainly money and time misspent if I had had a lot of the tools like lean model canvas, like just lean, lean principles generally. I mean, I know certainly lean manufacturing has been around for a long time, but even these concepts of the lean startup that Eric Ries and Steve Blank brought in these are concepts that are only a handful of years old. You know, this is a discipline that's reinventing itself at rapid pace. And we have the exciting opportunity to be right here on the edge of it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I started my career in project management, you know, and I started doing web development. I, I, I was a web developer that became a project manager in 2005. And at the time, you know, there was, everything was based on, you know, a waterfall method of, you know, you scope the project in the beginning, a design phase, a development phase, and then you deploy it, and six months later, you, you, you get what, you bring something to market, but, you know, even back then, the market had changed in six months, you know, which is why the concepts of Agile got brought up, and now, you know, you know, don't want to age myself, but basically 12 years later, um, you know, the, the, ro the, the roles and responsibilities and the tools for product management, project management, they're all kind of like in a big soup pot being mixed around and depending on like whether it's a Fortune 500 company or a startup or a, you know, a person that's like a two-person product team trying to figure out what is the best way to apply right tools is the question. So I can definitely see why you would want to be able to provide a resource, you know, for product managers to find or, you know, want to be product managers or whoever the, from the CEO down uh, to find what's best that is, is, is applicable for them. Because I think a lot of times that um, their people spend a lot of time trying to do what they think is the right thing in product management. And they spend a lot of time just kind of not actually getting uh, pen to paper and actually being able to test their idea. You you mentioned your agency experience. You've been the director of production for a couple big 
agencies here in Los Angeles. You also have your own product consultancy, Iolite. Tell us about what Iolite does, what made you leave the agency world to, to root yourself more firmly in product? Well, I, I left the agency world because my experience was being a project manager and being a project manager was you, you know, you got a set defined set of requirements. You went to the creative director of the agency and they would create these beautiful designs. You would give it to the developer and then you would launch it. And these were typically advertising campaigns. And advertising campaigns didn't have as much feature-rich potential changes as a product does. And I thought that, you know, I wanted a challenge because advertising is the same as it's been 50 years ago. We have a concept, we have a campaign, brands basically give an RFP to the agency, the agency pitch for the business, they win it, and then they basically execute it. The agency work was very waterfall project management method. It There's a start and there's a finish. You typically don't have changes along the way. You only have changes really along the way when you're in the creative process. And I, 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 I like that world, but from the technology standpoint, um, I saw what is possible and that you can, I want to build things. And building an advertising campaign isn't overseeing it and launching it ex- successfully. Building something to me is actually seeing someone use a product, whether it's a tangible product, which is physical, or it's a digital product where there's a transaction happening, there's an experience happening, there is some sort of satisfaction or problems being solved. And um, that's why I moved from the agency world as a project manager to my own consulting company as as a product manager. So three years ago, when I started my consulting company, I got a lot of different projects where the the person that needed the the person that needed the app that was built or the person that needed the website that was built you know had their end goal in mind but what they didn't think about from a a 360 degree perspective was what are all the nuances that are going to happen when this is launched such as you know um, are you targeting the right people um, how is customer service being handled? Uh, what what are your baseline analytics? What does achieving success for your project mean? I mean, obviously, if you're an overnight success and you have millions of dollars in the bank the first month, you're an overnight success. But that is one in a million startups. You know, one in a million, one in a million businesses. And so right. nine uh, out of ten fail. That's exactly, the, that's it, the real staggering statistic. Right. And so it's you know it's almost parallel to the fact of you know we've all been there where we said one day I'll open up my own restaurant. And then the first person that says to you is like, oh, you know, 90% of businesses, restaurants fail within the first five years. And then you take that understanding and you think, wow, so if 90% of the businesses, restaurants fail in the first five years, that means that that 90% of those restaurants were self-funded or someone was writing a check to an organization slash business that wasn't actually producing any sort of profit. And the actual like statement of that doesn't make any sense, you know, and that's even harder to change because once you've, you, you've, you've built the restaurant, you've branded the restaurant, the only thing you can change really is the menu items, you know what I mean, and a little bit of the signage, and you don't have that much control. Where in product management, when you have an app or a, an idea, you know, you can, uh, change the, you can change the concept of it, you can change 
uh, who may use it if you apply the right tools and not necessarily build it up front and then just hope it succeeds, you know? And I think that a lot of um, entrepreneurs have, they have the mindset where they're like, my logo's done, I'm going to build my project, I have $10,000, I'm gonna build this app and I'm gonna launch it. And you know, at General Assembly, one of the most important things that, that I have tried to uh, not only keep in mind for myself, for all the projects that I've ran, but is what is like the path to least resistance? What can we get out there as quick as possible where there can be the right set of eyes or many sets of eyes to give feedback so that the feedback that I have, I'm able to look at and I can be like, you know what, our demographic isn't 50 plus. Our demographic is really like the 35 to 50 crowd. And um, you know, the way that we found that out is by doing something super simple, such as paying 100 bucks to Google surveys and got some responses back and I got feedback. And I'm able to take that feedback and show an angel investor or show an investor, hey, I'm able to test my product. It's not even built yet. So I think one of the things is, is that with, with what I've learned over the past three years is that in some ways I have like a toolbox and when I open up the toolbox I know how to, I, when I need to create a project plan, I'll create a project plan. When I need to test the market, I know how to test the market. When I need to put together a pitch deck for an investor, I know what needs to be in a pitch deck because I know what has worked and what hasn't worked. So you have all these different tools. Do you need to use them? at all at the same time, do you, have to use, do you have to use all of them? One, You don't have to use any of them, that's the most amazing part. The fact is, is that you just have to have the knowledge that you have access to do these things and know some basic concepts of product management, I think really is the key to being out there and actually being successful. Well, and I agree, I think you bring up the concept of validated learning, right? Which is so critical to product management thinking now. And it's funny, I, I often have, there's these sort of moments of insight where we'll be talking about concepts like problem solution fit, product market fit, and I'll have a, a student invariably turn to me and say, it just, it seems so obvious. What you're basically saying is don't do anything unless you know that it's working or it's right. And, you know, that moment is exactly, it's, it's phenomenal how much still to this day, entrepreneurs and builders are diving right into the solution without thinking about who is the customer really. And even if I've thought about who the customer is, have I been able to even prove that out from a, a basic level of, of going out and doing some customer development, going out and, and doing the interviews, you know? I know from running the development factory, we have customers come in all the time and say, I've got this great idea for a product, can you build it? But they haven't themselves planned a strategy around customer acquisition. And I'm reminded in your anecdote about restaurants, you know, Anthony Bourdain's no, uh, Kitchen Confidential, right? One of my favorite restaurant books and I worked in the industry for many years and it's that same trap. Restaurant owner opens a business, they don't think about any of the realities of the difficult landscape and, and then they're just, what if we serve burgers? What if we have a salsa night? What if, you know, trying to make all of these iterations from inside. And product is the same. It's very difficult, in my opinion, to reverse engineer 
a customer acquisition strategy onto a product that's already been built if you haven't already provisioned for those things and tested them along the way. It's just like, now I've got this thing, does anybody want it? When someone has an idea, they know what they they know what they know, and they are they're going to do what they know. And then when they once they're done with what they know, they're going to ask for help. And so the you flip that upside down with product management, and you're basically saying, no, I'm not saying to basically have decision paralysis and not move forward. It's saying take all of the information that you actually have, lay it out on a on the table, look at it like it's kind of like a puzzle, and instead of trying to fit the immediate pieces that snap together. Look at what the bigger picture looks like so that you're able to see more, you're more forward thinking. Have you worked with a lot of women in tech or has it been mostly men as your peers and collaborators? I wish I worked with more women in tech. I would have to say that you, when I first met you, you were probably one of um, my inspirations in terms of like you, you're like me, I'm like you, where we are passionate about technology. Um, you know, we have the same... Uh, drive and hustle to get shit done um, and uh, yeah I mean I wish I worked with more women in technology I'll have to say though that when I was um, starting Legal Tap, one of the biggest things that I thought was potentially an in was me actually to pitch to women venture capitalists and I'll tell you within my outreach to find investors that were willing to take meetings I had more women that responded women VCs that responded to hearing my idea than men because at the end of the day um, when you submit your pitch deck to a venture capital website you're basically going into an inbox where there's a thousand other people with a thousand other ideas and you just hope they read this they read the, the title of your subject line and they click open and they give you a chance is it difficult I mean I, I know you're a great leader you're a great collaborator have you found it difficult being a woman in this space and taking up these sort of these leadership roles and these strategic roles how how has the market embraced you that's a good question because i recently had a interaction where i actually was pretty disappointed with um you know when men in business assert themselves to make a point to help the better of the project more times than not people will be quiet and listen if it means that they're going to make more money. And when I recently demonstrated the same assertiveness within the same environment where I can better a product, um, and this is a corporate 500, Fortune 500 company, it's taken as it's not my responsibility to make that type of statement. And it seems as if Men in technology are allowed to make statements where they can wear many hats, where the women that are hired are needing to basically prove themselves in their specific role. And I'll say that to, um, I have a friend of mine that was one of the first female New York firefighters in, in, um, in the 80s. And uh, when she became a firefighter, uh, her, her captain said to her, you are going to have to work harder than all these guys. You're going to be the first one in and you're going to be the last one out because you have to prove yourself because these guys at the end of the day are going to judge you. And I will always remember what she's, why she said that because since day one, I've never thought 
that I've had to prove myself more than these guys. I've always just worked as hard and I've had enough passion. But when I hear what I heard the other day, it makes me realize that I am female, you know, and I believe that, you know, building a big, building a good product doesn't matter your gender, it doesn't matter your sexuality, your race, your whatever it is. If you have a great idea and you can make, you can improve something or you can build something, that's all that should matter, you know, and I think that um, we definitely still have a long ways to go, but, you know, I'm uh, I'm a director for a women's tech organization here in LA that promotes women in technology. We have monthly networking events. You know, I slowly as we have these these similar types of networking events and more women that are helping each other rise up, you know, I think it'll help. But at the end of the day, you know, um, it's almost about women need to empower other women. Men do not need to empower. Men need to keep empowering women as they have been doing it. But at the end of the day, like they as they say when you go to your employer and you ask for a raise by the statement of saying i'm asking for a raise you're you're stating you don't deserve it you need to basically state that you need a raise and the reasons behind it which is why you need to have data to prove why you, you are successful and that relates to the exact same reason of building a product which is you can valid you need to be able to validate the reasons behind building something so you need to have that same mindset in my opinion of why you are um, fit for the job you make the point you know doesn't matter gender doesn't matter sexuality race I agree entirely you said as long as you've got great vision what what is the the kind of person in your opinion that succeeds in product management what are the what are the skills and the traits that you have to have or exemplify to be good at this job? You need to not be able to focus on one thing, which is funny to say, but you need to be able to see a big, the broader picture. You need to be able to cons consistently ask questions about how to make something better. You need to look at the product from every angle. So you need to put yourself in the shoes of the customer, which is always should be first. Uh, you need to put yourself in the shoes of um, the company, the, in different roles of the company, so you can see how everything can, sh can shape. The right skill set for a product manager is someone that basically can think on their feet, and they can wear many hats, and they don't get too distracted on one, one item, and they look at all of the potential outcomes of what can happen and they they have a they have a understanding of what the baseline success is for the product. You you mentioned legal tap when we were chatting and I think for our listeners benefit. So Iolite is a product consultancy. What you do is you work with entrepreneurs and businesses who either have products or want to bring products into market but don't necessarily know how to go about doing that. And you help them across architecting bringing in a technical team if that's what's required, user experience design, all of these things which are in your wheelhouse. These are skills that you've built up. Right. And in the process of running this business, which you continue to run and have success with, congratulations by the way, you brought to life a product of your own, LegalTab. Yeah. Tell us about it. Well, and I brought a product to life of my own and I saw all of the things that we have taught at General Assembly happen. 
and I've seen the failures and the successes of the project, you know, and um, it's now, we launched the second version of it about a month ago, and, um, you know, just to, to, just to back up, my business partner, um, he had an idea, he was the funder of the original version, and um, his goal was to get it to market as soon as possible, because he's on, he owns an online marketing agency, and he wanted to convert and make money. So through the process of the V1, I did product research. I said, you know, are there any apps that do video legal advice in the space? I found that there was. There was two. I looked, I did every, I, I researched everything about that company, from the owner of the company to all the features. I downloaded the app. I figured out what didn't work, what worked. Then I realized, wow, I'm already in the design phase of my project. I actually made the same mistakes that I tell students at General Assembly not to do, but I found myself in that same mistake. And the reason why was because just as much as I have, I, I want to apply the right mindset and tools to the project, I fell into the trap of getting really excited and wanting to get into the design of, of of the app and I found out that you know I wasted two weeks of a design resource when I when I found out we shouldn't do certain things of it so you know within the beginning of that project I reset the project twice to make sure that the requirements for the initial v1 launch met the expectations of the market and um, through that I also found features that I wanted to add and I didn't want to add them to prevent the launch of the initial version. So then I was like, what do I do? So it's in the backlog. So then when V2 came around, you know, was the assumption that I was gonna make all the items in the backlog part of V2? No, I actually then went back to my competitors and realized that they had um, pivoted and totally changed their concept. And now I'm the only one in the space with a video legal device app, which is amazing. So sometimes it takes time to build your product to get it to, to get not only to get it to market but to get it to give it the eyeballs that it needs and um, you know it just currently we are we are re-recruiting lawyers you know we finished a beta we tested the hell out of it we have the same attention with the VCs that we did last year but this time they know that we're serious because we we not only dumped in more money in development, but we developed, we we invested more time in the research and the 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 end goal, which is really to provide the original concept, which is providing the public access to lower cost legal services. And we are still on that we're still on that path. You know, one day, uh, which will be soon hopefully, you know, there will be the traction that I I, I want to see with the app. But it hasn't been an overnight success. It's been me consistently working on that product. And that's the one thing that I have to say to anyone with an idea that they want to build is that you cannot lose the steam that you have with your idea. You have to keep at it. You have to make, you have to burn the midnight oil. You have to do all of that. I mean, one of the things that I do just for inspiration is I follow Instagrams, Instagram profiles of entrepreneurs and sometimes the quotes that I read when I want to go to bed at 10 o'clock at night and I know I have two to three more hours of work to do, I go to this Instagram 
page and I look at it and I realize that, you know, this is the time right now where it's either I go to sleep or I continue working. And, you know, sometimes I don't feel like I'm not getting the traction that I want to see, but what I know is that ultimately, like, I'm on the right path. But the one thing that I consistently do is I check myself and I make sure that I'm not focusing on the wrong thing within my product. You have to pivot when you need to know. You know, you know when you need to pivot when you've spent so much time in a specific track and you're not getting the traction that you need. So the question is, how do you build a product? How do you build a process that is agile enough for you to actually achieve success and not be locked into what you've uh, originally set forth? Well, and I, I, I love that you share the failure stories as well. And, and I agree wholeheartedly. It's, it's phenomenal how we can know what the right thing is to do and then still ourselves fly over the right thing because building is exciting. I mean, that's the sexy part. Designing is fun. Building is exciting. Having something that you can see and touch is way more inspiring than having a bunch of data from some A-B tests that you ran on a couple different sort of acquisition channel strategies. I mean, digital marketers would argue they'd be listening in and going, that is the exciting part. What are you talking about? And, and they're right, you know, in that regard. And I think the other point that you bring up, which is a good one and an important one about, about pivoting, but also about perseverance. You know, I think publications like TechCrunch, as an example, do the startup community or the, the future entrepreneurs, the future product managers, a disservice. Because if you sat around and you read TechCrunch, you would be under the impression that everybody except for you is getting traction and getting funded. And, you know, that's part of the model of how that particular platform works. They're certainly bringing news into the community, but the truth is it does take a long time. The truth is it is a lot of struggle. It is a lot of reinventing yourself over and over again. And it always takes longer than you think it's going to take. I mean, unless you're one of those handful of, of very fortunate people to have the right funding at the right time and really be able to scale or throw a lot of money at solving it, which certainly isn't the solution. You know, we've seen a lot of companies throw a lot of money at trying to be successful and fail, but it's hard. Definitely. Product I mean, is hard. And, you know, to kind of go back to something that you asked earlier, which was, you know, what is something that I've seen in, in um, the, you know, the, the tech startup world uh, here in, in LA, I want to almost age myself, but you know, I grew up, um, you know, I didn't grow up. I went to college in Seattle, the original tech bubble burst. I quit computer. I, I quit, I, I quit college, a computer science degree to go at 18 years old because I was offered an $80,000 a year job in 1998 to be a macromedia director developer to basically work on, um, this, 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 app that this company had and you know they had the beautiful office they had you know 
the sexy receptionist. They had the guy, you know, the, 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 the owner was driving like a, a Lamborghini. And, you know, six months later, you know, we all get laid off. I'm back in school. And I was like, oh, what happened? And it's so weird because that was a blip on the radar of my career where I hadn't even started my career. And I, and I was able to luckily, fortunately, have that experience. So when I moved here to L.A., you know, 12 years later from, from San Diego, I then interact with people that are like, we have beautiful offices in Santa Monica. We just got a Series A funding. You know, we uh, drive you know, Lamborghinis. We have, well, not necessarily that Lamborghinis. It's probably more like a Prius here in LA. You know, it's a souped-up Prius, but you or know, a Tesla. or a Tesla. Let's let's get that right. But um, you know, it's the same. The same things happening. You have you have all of these investors that are are spending money investing in startups that are failing within six months because they literally don't have the the right plan you know i have a i have a story where um i was actually pitching for some work at a startup in um in santa monica and it was this music tech platform and um it was the same thing come to our offices see our beautiful office you know um you know let's go to lunch there's the gym across the street and i spoke to the cto over facetime and i said um they decided to um the cto was you know very smart and he wanted like the latest tech on his platform and he's like we're hiring Xamarin developers and I'm like wow I've heard about a lot of technology stacks but I have not heard about Xamarin and this was two years ago and I was like he was like it's a Microsoft based platform this that and the other and he's like the problem is is we can't find any Xamarin developers in LA so we're now having to relocate them from other parts of the United States and that's taking a long time so I then was quiet and I said has a single line of code been written in the six months that you have been um, in this office hired and whatnot. And he's like, no, we're still working on that. We're working on the roadmap. And it just was crazy to, to hear because six months later, they were done, you know, because they went to their board meeting and they had nothing to, they, had, they couldn't prove anything versus that same concept, the same business idea, applying, potentially hiring the development factory or hiring ILI Consulting, where you know instead of the the three million dollars that they got from the investor, they only have a hundred thousand dollars, and they say we have a hundred thousand dollars. We're fortunate to know that you know what you're doing. What can you build us to get that two million dollar check to actually build our dream? And you know what? You'll find a way to build something that will get them to the next chapter of that investment. And I think that that's ultimately the, the funnest challenge of being a product manager is how can you be lean? How can you be cheap? How can you save the customer money? How can you save yourself money? How can you basically be successful by pinching your pennies and getting exactly what you want and not being like the other guys? And so I think that that is, you know, my, my I would like to say in five years from now that I was able to start and help a bunch of businesses become very successful with using as little as possible, whether that's technology or whether that's cash, you know, and it's more mindset and brain power and collaboration of understanding how to build from 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 a core vision and like being able to be very malleable with it. What do you think is 
I was going to say the, the right blend of skill set, but I, I'm not sure that, that that's really the question. What advice would you give to somebody, you know, who's listening in, thinks product management is for me. This is exciting. It's creative. It's scrappy. It's all the stuff we've been describing. We've talked about in, in other episodes here, but they've got no technology experience. They just have the will. Right. Where, where is the best place to start, in your opinion? So, you know, <clears throat> I'm not going to basically answer that from a, a company perspective saying, you know, if you're single, you should work in a startup because get ready to work 90 hours versus if you're married, you have, an, you know, but I actually, I am going to start with the actual, you have to ask yourself, where am I in my life right now, right? Because there are, you can hold the product manager title and you can work at a startup and you actually won't be doing product management responsibilities that you learn, for example, like you won't get an opportunity to build a lean model canvas. You won't get an opportunity to do that. You might get an opportunity to build a fancy roadmap in Google Docs or, you know, potentially if you have Photoshop skills, they'll also ask you to design something because it's a startup and they don't have the resources versus being a product manager maybe at Google where you might be able to use and apply all of your thinking because budgets are endless and you can actually they, they, they're, they're hiring you for your brain so it's almost like you have to you have to ask yourself what do you like what do you want to do what do you like to do and then you have to find the company that best suits you and you need to ask those questions if you're gonna if you want to go work at the Google you need to ask what am I actually doing on a day-to-day -day basis like what are my deliverables? What am I, am I gonna get to create? You know, am I gonna be able to create scoping documents? Am I gonna be able to work directly with the creative teams or the technology teams? Because again, you know, you don't have to be technical to be a product manager, but you have to be able to understand how you can apply your own skill set to solve a problem by using tools that you've learned. Well, I, it's, an, it's interesting that you frame it that way. I think one of the things that comes up with startups for sure is that your title as product manager will mean a lot of things that it might not mean in a larger and more structured organization. And sometimes that is part of the fun of it, is that it's, it's the only time where you'll get to touch a lot of different things and then to your point, some of those things might not be all that glamorous, you're going, I wanted a product management job and it's like what we really need right now is coffee and uh, some late nights and if you can write any code that would be great too. I'm not entirely sure that working in a large organization, budgets aside, always affords that opportunity. I think one of the other sacrifices that comes with that is you're touching, you know, my business partner's brother is a, a product lead at, at Xbox, right, Microsoft. And, you know, they're responsible for kind of like one feature inside one product, inside one stream of so many products, which will now include LinkedIn as of the recent acquisition, by the way, from Microsoft. But so, you know, there's a trade-off there. You get structure, you get budget, you get resource, but you don't get to sketch and you don't get to wireframe and you don't get to be as scrappy in some cases too. And that is, I think, just about personality fit. I agree with the point. 
knowing who you are, knowing where you are in your life, knowing what kind of environment you thrive in. Some people really need structure. Some people do very well if they know this is the box that I'm playing inside and I'm going to be the best person in the side of that box. And some people, and I put myself in this category, I'm like, don't put me in that box. I don't want table flip. I don't want that box. You know, I, I want freedom and, and chaos and that comes with its own challenges too. Yeah. I mean, I spent, you know, most of up until three years ago working for um, companies where you know, it was it was nine to whenever you're done, and you had a 401k, and you had a salary every two weeks, and you know, I I took the jump to start my own business, you know, because I want I was I was done with you know the uh, the being in the box, you know, and and one of the most interesting things is is that it's again you have to ask yourself where are you in your life because you know switch a you know if you're switching from a different career directly into product management you know there there is a learning curve so you have to figure out you know is that learner are you willing to take that learning curve are you willing to take the late nights to learn the tools to be able to do all the things that you might need to do and um, you know I think that there's a lot of amazing schools out there like General Assembly that are able to um, teach and encourage the the practice of product management but ultimately it's Again, it's the person, it's how they apply themselves, it's how they um, stay consistent with their goal, just like the entrepreneur with their product itself. I think that the, the, ultimately the, 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 the role of the product manager is putting themselves in the role of the founder and, make, and being able to stay consistent with that vision and that will be successful. Because ultimately the founder is looking to you to basically be a team player be successful do you have in you mentioned your toolkit your, your treasure chest of experiences I wouldn't call it a treasure chest <laughs> I, it hasn't made me a ton of money yet but I'll tell you it's, it's put smiles on my face <laughs> fair enough fair enough what about essential books you know thought leaders podcasts you know if you were going to tell somebody you can't get into this business or you shouldn't get into this business at the least until you've read or listened to these any anyone that you can recommend for us you know it's interesting like on the topic of product management i don't have like the one or two that comes to mind but something that i want to say that's available out there that i find extremely fascinating is that itunes university offers free um, online podcasts, I guess, or, you know, it's almost like curriculum for technology. And I found that um, taking, you can take an iOS programming course through iTunes University in collaboration with Stanford for free. And it's being, if you're not technical and taking a few of those classes, I find very helpful because you can kind of start to see what the world would be like. Um, are they all programming or? Is... Uh, no, they're not. It's a lot. Some of them are um, scoping requirements. Uh, some of them are, uh, you know, what is a technology stack? When I use the word stack, like what the hell does it mean? Is it, it's not a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, you know what I mean? It's like. Though that sounds delicious. That a peanut does. butter and jelly stack? Yeah, yeah, peanut butter and jelly stack. I'm sure someone's already coined that, but 
you know, it's uh, that's the thing too. It's like you know, listening, just listening to anything that you can get your hands on that starts bringing you into the fold. I think is good. I think that you know, my best advice. You know, obviously there might for those that are listening at home, or in the office, or in their car, is that um, you know they might be in a certain people might not be fortunate to live in like in New York and LA and Austin and Detroit where there's maybe these tech networking events where they can meet people. But you know, if you are in a city that has networking events, I would tech, tech networking events, I would extremely encourage that because the best thing that you can do is ask a million questions. And there are a million people that would love to answer that because that's the one thing that um, you need to ask is when you're a product manager is a shitload of questions because if you don't ask a shitload of questions you're completely in the dark and that I think is one of the most important skill sets so learning about product management learning about technology is you know listening to things you don't even think you'd want to understand to write down the questions to ask the person that can answer them for you and I think that that's the best way to kind of throw yourself in it or you know um, come up with an idea for a project yourself and make it a one year long commitment to learn how to, you know, build a, a WordPress theme or learn how to build an app or learn how to design in Photoshop because you'll, what you'll get out of that is you'll realize that you are way more creative than you thought you were to begin with. I love that. I love that. Last question. Since we're asking questions and it's a skill that product managers need that last question, do you have like a, a mantra, a quote on the side of a mug? I know you gave me the uh, I love spreadsheets mug, but now I need a new quote from you. It's life like, is a verb. <laughs> life is a verb. What does that mean? Life, well, what's, here I'll ask the question back to you. What is the definition of a verb? What is a verb? A verb describes how you do something. Exactly. So that is, at the end of the day, how you do something. Life is constant evolution of recreating who you are, recreating your surroundings to make yourself happier. So if you basically can just kind of, I go by life as a verb, because when things get me down, I always realize that it'll all work out at the end because, you know, you can't, just as I said, you can't focus on that one thing in that project to get you distracted on the 99 other things you have to do. So you just have to know that sometimes it'll work out and it'll be the way that it was supposed to be and that's how it is. And, and you know, that's not to say that you shouldn't plan and focus and things like that, but um, I go by life as a verb. Yeah. Natasha Gamer-Jones, ILA Legal Tab, General Assembly, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us and really appreciate your insights. Thank you. You're listening to 100 PM, the official podcast for 100productmanagers.com. If you haven't been to our site, please check it out. We have so many great resources for anybody looking to learn more about product management or starting a technology business. I'm your host, Susanna Abate. Join me here. We've got a new conversation every Tuesday. We'll see you next time.